Well, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us in our online service uh, this morning, really for what is an unparalleled time in our country and in our world. In some ways, pastors Adam, Kayo, and Ed are here with me this morning, and we're going to walk through uh, this text as we uh, think about how it applies uh, to our current situation. Before we do uh, jump into the text, I would just ask you if you have the opportunity to download the LifePoint app. You can go to the App Store, search uh, LifePoint Ohio. If you'll search there, download the app. We're gonna be using that later in the service. As a matter of fact, we'll be using it right at the end of the service uh, to talk about practical ways that we can be the church and you can make a difference. So I would just encourage you this morning, as much as is possible, uh, stay with us on the live stream all the way to the end as we talk about those practical opportunities. I don't know how this week unfolded for you, uh, but for us uh, and our family, it really started kind of Sunday, Monday. Uh, we had two of our kids who were going on mission trips, and so all of a sudden those mission trips got canceled, and then things just started to roll as I think we began to understand what the word pandemic uh, means in terms of this virus. And then we've had folks in our church this week uh, who work in the live events industry who have either been laid off or lost their jobs. Um, we have folks who have loved ones, right, who are sick and who are ill and they're concerned uh, about them. And so we're supposed to start a brand new series today. And as we thought about what are we going to do, what are we going to talk about as we address this issue, the passage that we were going to speak from today as we start this brand new series called Daybreak seems to be right on track. Uh, for us and for where God is, is leading us. So the idea, the big idea for the series is that every day reflects the resurrection. In the series, we're looking at the last week of Jesus's life and what happens kind of on a day-by-day basis. And so today, as we kind of talk about the first uh, day or the first kind of day and a half, two days of the week, we're talking about Sunday and Monday. Um, we're gonna talk about how the resurrection comes to bear um, on those days as Jesus lives out this last week of his life. So I'm gonna read uh, the first part of the passage and then uh, Kale's gonna come up and he's gonna talk to us for just a couple of minutes about those verses. What you're gonna experience this morning uh, is that each of us is gonna talk and kind of share about the verses as we walk through the text for about five to seven minutes. Uh, each of us will share a little bit. So we're looking at John chapter 12. If you got a copy of the scriptures, you can turn there and I'll begin reading in verse 12. It says, the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. So uh, technically, as, as Dean mentioned, this is sort of Sunday, Monday. This is Sunday when Jesus uh, comes into Jerusalem and it's you know what we celebrate as Palm Sunday, but uh, Jewish reckoning, they sort of ended their days at 6 p.m. So technically 6.01, it's the beginning of Monday. And so these events, though they happen on Sunday, reverberate right into Monday. But uh, Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and I think what can happen um, when we read this, I wanna try to transport us back to that moment because I think when we read it, if we don't have the context, we, um, we really don't understand all that's happening there. What we read is, okay, Jesus came into the city and there's a crowd and there's a feast and um, people are, for some reason, putting palm branches down and uh, there's a donkey and we really don't know why, right? If you don't know the context, you're thinking, man, I, that's weird. I would pick something bigger and cooler than that to ride in to Jerusalem. But Jesus comes in and a donkey, and here in a bit, it'll talk about the significance of that. But I want to try to transport us back to that moment and help us understand 
just the significance of what's happening. So the text says, a large crowd had come to the feast. It's not just any crowd and it's not just any feast. Uh, This is the festival of Passover. And um, Passover was a week-long festival celebrating what is um, pre-Jesus, pre the coming of Christ, probably the most significant moment in the life of God's people. So Passover, the Jews are celebrating when God passed over their firstborn, when God destroyed the firstborn of Egypt, when he delivered, uh, in the book of Exodus, the the people of Israel out of Egypt. And so this is a hugely significant moment for them and arguably the the largest, most significant uh, festival that they have. It's a week long and there are thousands of people inside of Jerusalem, not just the Jews from Israel, but thousands, if not tens of thousands of people from all over the Roman Empire, Jews have made a pilgrimage, made their way back to Jerusalem, to the temple, to celebrate the Passover. So if you can imagine for a moment how electric that atmosphere must have been. You've got thousands and thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people in Jerusalem at the temple celebrating the Passover, and then Jesus comes in. He chooses this moment to roll into Jerusalem and to proclaim his kingship his eternal kingship, his authority, the coming of the kingdom of God. It's an electric moment. It's a moment that's just full of anticipation and expectation. And the Romans are watching. They're watching Jesus's every move. The religious authorities are watching Jesus's every move. The common people are watching Jesus's every move. And so all eyes are on Jesus. But here's the thing. As Jesus comes in, what Jesus is really doing and what the people expect him to do are two very different things. The people, um, the people want a political, military, nationalistic leader. They want Jesus to come in and to deliver them from Roman rule. What, what they want, so when they're saying Hosanna, right? That means save us and save us now. They're quoting from the Old Testament. They clearly expect Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for. But what we want him to do, what we expect him to do is to deliver us politically and give us freedom from the Romans and to restore the kingdom of Israel now. You hear the disciples always asking Jesus that question. When are you gonna store, restore the kingdom? They want him to be this political, nationalistic, military leader. They want him to throw off the chains of the Romans. And yet Jesus is saying, look, I'm coming to throw off the chains of sin. The people are saying, "Uh, Jesus, we want you to defeat our enemy. And Jesus is saying, I am. The problem is you don't know who your real enemy is. You don't know your real enemy. Um, If you were to maybe summarize it in a point, you can write this down if you want. Many people missed the real Jesus because of their preferred Jesus. Many people missed the real Jesus because of their preferred Jesus. This is why I think um, most likely some of, if not many of these same people who on Sunday and Monday are celebrating Jesus and saying, Hosanna, right? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're calling him the King of Israel, which is a direct challenge to Caesar and the Romans. Some of those same people who on Sunday and Monday are celebrating Christ on Friday are calling for his resurrection or for his crucifixion. And you wonder, how does that happen? How do people who are on Sunday, Monday saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and on Friday are calling for his death and his crucifixion? And I think it's because He didn't meet their expectations. They had expectations for what they wanted him to do, and he delivered something different. And 
before we judge them too harshly, because I think that's our tendency, I read this and think, how did you guys miss it? How did you miss who Jesus really was? I think we have to recognize all too often we, we do the same exact thing. We want a God, if I were to say it this way, I think we often want a God who will give us temporary happiness. And we have a God who says, I wanna give you eternal joy. I think we often want a God who will uh, fix our problems or our perceived problems. And God says, I wanna forgive your sin, your real problem. I think oftentimes we want a God who will make our life better. And by that we often mean easier. I want a God who will make my life better or easier. And Jesus said, look, I came to give you new life, new life in me. I think we often want a God who is what I call the vending machine God. You hit the buttons, you do the right things, and God, you now owe me. You need to give me what I want. Or we want sort of a divine cheerleader, right? The God who will clap for us and tell us, hey, whatever you're doing, that's awesome. But what we have in God is something so much better. We have a heavenly Father, a Lord and Savior, an advocate, and helper. And I think what happens sometimes is in the midst of crises, uh, like the one we're in right now, and, and fear sets in and panic can set in, I think what those crises do oftentimes is they expose us. They expose in our hearts, we're forced to ask the uncomfortable question, uh, am I worshiping God according to my preferences? According to what I want him to do for me or what I thought he was gonna do for me? Or am I worshiping God for God? for who he is and for what he's truly done for me and eternally done for me in the life and death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. Because that life, that forgiveness, that new life that we have because of Christ, no virus, no sickness, no crisis can touch that. Cannot take it away. The text goes on, I'm gonna read this and Ed's gonna come up and he's gonna teach just the significance of these two verses, it says, and Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Thanks, Cale. You know, there are, really are a couple significant points here uh, that I wanna point out. The, the first one is that John is actually quoting a prophet named Zechariah. When he says, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt, he's actually quoting Zechariah 9.9, written 500 years before this moment. Now, that's a pretty uh, great deal of, of time for someone to have written what seems like uh, this messianic prophecy for it to finally become fulfilled where Jesus is sitting on this donkey, uh, this colt, and riding into the city. Because God is in complete control. He knew what was gonna happen 500 years prior. He had this thing whole planned out. So when Jesus is coming in, it's literally the good news that God is coming to the people of Jerusalem as their king. He's not coming on a horse uh, in a warlike state. He's coming on a donkey in peace, coming to be their king. I think uh, it's an interesting little statement there. It says that, uh, and John found a young donkey. Now, this is the beauty of scripture, that if you read other scriptures, you get a fuller picture of what happened. If you go to Mark, for example, in chapter 11, 
Uh, Jesus actually kind of tells the guys up front, they're, they're coming into the city and they stop around the Mount of Olives and he tells his disciples, hey, go up to this village and in the village, you're gonna find this colt uh, that's never been written tied up there and I want you to go get it. And I'm sure the disciples are probably thinking, um, like, we've been with you the whole time, Jesus. When, like, how do you know it's even there? Uh, but, you know, and what happens if someone tries to stop us? What do we say? And Jesus says, well, just tell them the master needs it and I'll return it immediately. So they go in town and they see the colt and they're like, well, there it is. Uh, and they untie it and they're getting ready to take it. And some people come up to them and say, hey, what are you doing? And they said, the master needs this colt. And they just let him go. You know, the interesting thing is that, that God is in control. No matter what our circumstance, no matter what the situation, God understands, he knows, and particularly right here, God is coming to the people. We don't have a God who's up there saying, oh, you better come to me and you better come to me the right way. He's coming to us. You know, the donkey really is an unsung hero of the story because God chose this donkey to carry his son into the people. I think about that because the plan now is, are for believers, that as we come to Christ, as we decide to become a follower of Christ, he puts his spirit in us and we become carriers of God himself. The spirit of God in us, the hope of glory. And in, in times like this, this is exactly what we should be doing is carrying Christ to the people. You know, about uh, a year ago, I had to have my gallbladder taken out. I was experiencing gallbladder attacks, which uh, the best way I can describe it to you is imagine the three musketeers inside your body um, trying to fight their way out. That's what a gallbladder attack is. The, the gallbladder is this really tiny organ. And what it does is it, uh, it regulates the bile that the liver produces and regulates it on how it goes into your digestive system. And there are these little ducts or holes and, and that's how they kind of secretes out. Well, gallstones, for some people, they develop uh, and they can block those ducts. And when that happens, that's when the three musketeers do their work, right? Um, so I go to the doctor, and when I'm at the doctor, they do a CAT scan, and he says, wow, you have an impressive uh, amount of stones in there. And I immediately took that as a compliment, you know, that I'm, I don't do things halfway. So he says, you gotta get them out of there. So we scheduled the surgery, and I go in at St. Anne's Hospital in Westerville, and, uh, you know, they had to take it out. But here's what I'm gonna remember most about that time, is that before I went in, uh, a couple of guys from our church came down just to pray with me. You know, they took a moment just to pray for encouragement, pray for protection, pray that the doctors would do their job really well. Uh, my wife was out in the waiting room and, and a lady from our church came and sat with her throughout the whole time, uh, praying with her and, and laughing with her and joking and, and uh, encouraging her. You know, after recovery, by the time we got home, there were already flowers at our house. Uh, people from the church had sent and, and our life group took up a collection and, and they got a bunch of gift cards because they knew Tammy was gonna not have my help for a couple weeks and that uh, it would help her to be able to provide meals so they, they gave us gift cards. Some people brought over meals to the house. What I remember most about that moment is how God, it felt like God put a warm blanket around my family but he used the people of God to do that. We get the incredible privilege of being the carriers of the great news that God is with us. You know, the next, the next couple of verses that I wanna share that Adam is gonna teach on uh, start here in verse 16. Here's what it says. 
His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. And the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. And the reason why the crowd went to him was that they heard he had done this sign. And so the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. So as I was studying this week, uh, one of the questions that I found so interesting as I was reading this text was, so you've got this huge crowd of people, and Caleb did such a great job talking about you know, why they were there. They were there to celebrate Passover. But, but I was just curious, you know, why, why were they cheering? Because in our culture, at least up until uh, the events of this past week, it's pretty normal in our culture for crowds to gather and, and to cheer. And so you might think about, and maybe for you, you think about a concert that you've been to in the past, or maybe you think about, maybe you're really into politics, and you love to go to political rallies, and when your preferred candidate, uh, they come out, and you begin to, to cheer and to yell. For, for a lot of us, you're more like me, and, it, and it's sports. You're either maybe at the horseshoe, or just, I remember staring at my television screen back in 2016 when the Cavs came back from down 3-1, and I'm yelling at the TV screen, and I'm cheering, and I'm watching these other people on, on the television screen, and it's a crowd of people, and, and they're cheering. And I think the reality is for us, and the same for this crowd, is, is we cheer when, when we've seen or heard this, this person or these people do something incredible in the past, and we anticipate or we think that they're going to continue to do incredible things in the future. And so we, we cheer for them with, with these people that we've gathered with. And so what I want to say to us today is the crowd cheered because the crowd Heard. The crowd cheered because the crowd heard, and the text actually tells us that. And so you have to ask, well, so they're cheering because they heard something. So, so what, what did they hear? And, and the text tells us that the crowd heard that Jesus had brought Lazarus from death to life. And here's the great news for, for you and for me today, is that Jesus is still bringing people from death to life. When anyone, anywhere, hears about the great things that Christ has accomplished in his death on the cross and in his resurrection, and we repent of our sin and we place our trust in him. God has promised that through his son, Jesus Christ, and through the indwelling Holy Spirit, that he is still bringing people from death to life. And here, here I wanna make this personal for, for you. Jesus wants you to experience the reality that you have been brought from death to life, and Jesus doesn't want us just to experience that, but he wants us to help other people to experience the reality that Jesus has the power to bring people from death to life. Our, our church has a vision statement. We exist to draw life from God, to, to be made new by Jesus Christ, and to point others to him. And the reason why we say that is because we know that one day there's gonna be a much bigger crowd. And that crowd is going to be cheering and celebrating, waving palm branches like we see in this text in John chapter, chapter 12. I want to read for you really quickly Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. John, the same author, writes, he says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, a crowd so big you couldn't count it, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, who is Jesus, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so I want to ask you to reflect on a question this morning. Are you going to be there? 
are you going to be one day in that crowd cheering your King Jesus? And I want you to ask yourself one, one other question before I read Dean's text. What are you doing to help other people experience and hear about the new life in Christ so that maybe, just maybe, they will be there with you celebrating Christ. My friend Dean is gonna come and teach now on Psalm 24, uh, which is a psalm talking about how God's people would coronate a king. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Reason I ask Adam to read that passage is because when you think about Jesus coming in to the city that last week of his life on Sunday, and then those ripple effects on into Monday, whenever the Hebrews, whenever they coronated a king, they sang these psalms of ascent. And Psalm 24 is one of those of those psalms. And so it says in there that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Now, the first time this was sung, as much as we know, is whenever David brought the ark back into Jerusalem. So when when he says that, what does he mean? What does he mean the earth is the Lord's? It means that whenever God created the world, right, the expanse of the universe, there's, there's 100 million galaxies, but in that God says there's one of those galaxies that God chooses as special, the Milky Way. But in the Milky Way, there's, a, there's 100 million stars in the Milky Way, but God says there's one star right there about 30,000 or so light years from its center. That one, that one's special. And in the orbits around that one star, God chooses one one planet, a place that we call Earth. And in our home here on Earth, in that special, that special planet, God chooses a special land among all the lands, the land of Palestine. And in choosing the land of Palestine, God chooses a special people that he says, these people are mine. And among all the places in the land of Palestine for God's people, he chooses a special city, the city of Jerusalem. And in the special city of Jerusalem, among all the places that he could have chosen, he chooses a special spot called Mount Zion. And when a king would come into the city, they would sing these psalms of ascent. As the king headed up Mount Zion, they would sing and they would coronate him. So in my mind, as Jesus is coming into the city that day, as the people are laying down palm branches like they would for a king, they're singing this, this psalm. And one of the pauses, one of the Selah moments in the psalm is that they say, who is this king? He is the Lord strong and mighty in battle. And the reason that's important to me, at least, on that day, is it just reminds me that Jesus did not walk into the city on that Sunday unaware. He knew exactly what he was walking into. And Jesus understood that, kind of like what Cale said earlier, that his, that his popularity on Monday would become his fatality on Friday. I guess the way I would say it to you is, on Sunday and Monday, when Jesus comes into the city, the, he's not shocked. He's not, there's no, there's no emergency meeting of the Trinity that's going on all of a sudden like, oh no, we didn't know. We didn't know what was going on. No, Jesus knew exactly what he was, what he was walking into. And I just, I say that to myself. I've said it this week because I don't know about you, but it's important for me to be reminded that on Sunday and Monday of this past week, God was not surprised. 
there wasn't an emergency meeting of the Trinity. All of a sudden, God said, Where'd this virus come from? Holy Spirit, you got any ideas? What are we gonna, what are we gonna do? The stock market just crashed. Jesus, what are we gonna? No, we have a God. We serve a God who is sovereign, who is absolutely in control. And the reason that's important is because crises moments like this, I don't know about for you, but they remind me that I am not in control. That in my frail human attempts, sometimes I try to arrest control from God and then a crisis comes and what happens? Hysteria, panic, and fear. So it's in these moments that we have to fight. We have to fight hysteria with hope, panic with peace, and we fight fear with faith. Because in these moments, we have the opportunity to apply the understanding that our hope is secure. That we know, we know what's coming. We know the extent of God's long-term plan and that we're part of it. And, and listen, should we listen to our officials? Absolutely. We have been in touch with both our local government officials, state government officials this week. Should we be cautious? Absolutely. Should we care for those in our community by being uh, cautious about how we spend our time, where we spend our time? The reason that we're not meeting in public gatherings today is to try and heed those warnings. Should we be cautious? Absolutely. But listen to me. <laughs> no amount of toilet paper is gonna give you hope. Okay, be cautious, yes, prepare, yes. But our hope is not here. It is not in this world. It is not in my ability or in your ability. But our hope is in the reality that one day, that one day God the Father is gonna look at his son Jesus and he's gonna send him back to the special galaxy with the special star, on the special planet, with the special people, in the special place, in the special city, and Jesus' feet will rest on Mount Zion and he will rule and restore this world to the way things ought to be. And no virus is gonna change that. No stock market crash is gonna change that. No, no shift in the way that we uh, view things and view our culture is gonna change that. That is the firm place that we put our hope. So as you think about this, this week and you think about where do I go from here, I would just say to you that step number one for you is if you're not a Christian, that this is an opportunity that you, as you sense the Holy Spirit and God speaking to you, that you would heed what Adam said, that you would pass from death to life, that you would become new. Jesus walked into the city of Jerusalem that week knowing that he was headed to the crucifixion, but also knowing that beyond the crucifixion, there was gonna be a resurrection. And the resurrection was the, was the prime spot that Jesus placed his faith and his hope because he could offer us the free gift of salvation. That's why we believe passages like Romans 8 that all things work together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Jesus loved you enough to intentionally allow himself to suffer and die on a cross so that he could be raised in miraculous resurrection and beat death so that you and I could have that same hope.
if you don't have that hope today because you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, maybe you've been to church a lot. Maybe you've had some religious experiences in your life. But we, if we would ask you, are you new? And you know the answer to that question is no. Then right here, right now, this Sunday morning, this is the, this is the time to receive Christ. I'm gonna pray. And right there where you are, in your car, in your living room, wherever you're watching, you can take the opportunity to pray. You don't have to pray the exact words that I pray. You don't have to pray it like I pray it or say it like I say it. But if the intention of your heart is to turn, your, uh, turn away from your own sinfulness, your own selfishness, like Kale talked about, your own preferences, and turn to the real Jesus because only he can offer salvation, only he can offer hope. If that's your intention this morning, I wanna give you the opportunity to pray right now. Just pray something like this. Dear Jesus, thank you that you came knowing that you were gonna die for my sins and in my place. Thank you for offering yourself for me as my sacrifice. And I'm just asking today, Jesus, that you would forgive me of my sins and make me new. Jesus, today I'm saying I give you control of my life. Any control that I have is just an illusion. Please take my life and use it however you want. Thank you for that great salvation gift. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, if you just took that step and prayed with me, both on the app notes, I ask you to download the app whenever we started today, and on Facebook Live right now, our host, is gonna put up a box that allows you, it says uh, guest, uh, it's a guest button. If you'll click on that, you can send us a notification that this morning you took that step of praying to receive Christ. We will send you a book called Your Next 30 Days, the book that we've written for you uh, as you take these next steps and begin this new relationship with Christ. If you would like to share a prayer request with us, you can check that same guest uh, button this morning and you can put your prayer request in there. We have a team of folks uh, that pray virtually together every week and we would love to pray for whatever request, uh, whatever request you may have uh, this morning. For those of you who are regular attenders and members, as always, thank you for how you share financially and fuel the ministries of God. And I would just say to you this morning that, um, that your generosity is needed now as much as ever. We're gonna have folks in our congregation who have needs because they lose their job or because they have sick loved ones or because they have to take time off work. They're gonna be ministries that are partners with us and dependent upon the resources that we have to continue to support them during this season. So you can take the opportunity to give online uh, this morning. You can follow the button that's there um, on Facebook Live or in the app notes. You can go to the website if you're there. Click on the give button in the uh, top uh, right-hand corner if you would like to take that step of giving your tithes and offerings this morning. And now, as we kind of get ready to close, I wanna give you three specific opportunities that you have this week um, to serve to be the hands and feet uh, of Christ in our community. You know, one of the uh, core values for our church is personal ministry. And we say that personal ministry means that we are missionaries, that this is not a day for the church to backpedal. This is not an opportunity for the church to retreat. As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite. The church was born from moments like this. You were born for a moment just like this to serve others. So let me give you three ways to do that. Number one, 
you're probably gonna have some time away from your normal activities. There are probably some things that you do maybe for entertainment that are not taking place right now. So there are gonna be some, some opportunities in your hands. Take some time and invest that in God's word. Lean into God, lean into scripture during these days. Read it in, apply it to your life and pray it back to God and ask God for the awareness to see needs that are right around you right now. They're gonna be single moms, single dads who need help uh, with transportation for their kids. They're gonna be kids who could use maybe a trip to the grocery store, maybe kids who are hungry. They're gonna be elderly adults among us who maybe could uh, uh, use uh, you stopping by the pharmacy to get them a prescription and bring it back to them because they don't wanna get out uh, in public. I saw where one of our uh, LifePoint members posted yesterday that she and her kids were sitting down to write notes of encouragement to senior citizens who are gonna be in assisted living facilities. And for most of them, they're not gonna be able to receive visitors now. So they were writing notes of encouragement that they were gonna shower on this particular assisted living facility so that those folks who were living there could read through those and be encouraged while they didn't have personal visitors. I thought that was a great idea. Ask God to open your eyes to opportunities that are right around you. Secondly, we have been in contact with six uh, of our local school districts here in central Ohio that are kind of uh, near all of our campuses. And we have asked them and told them we want to be part of the plan of providing food for children who won't have those uh, breakfasts and lunches over the next uh, few weeks that are part of your school district. Those school districts are developing their plans. They've said to us, we want you to help. We want you to be a uh, part of those plans. And as those plans are developed uh, and finished in the uh, beginning of this coming week, we are gonna post those. If you're looking uh, on Facebook Live or you're looking in the app notes, uh, you will see a link that's there that says you can get live missions updates here. Follow that link uh, this week and we will post specific opportunities as those plans are communicated uh, back to us from the school districts, from the superintendents that we have reached out to for there to be specific opportunities for you, maybe for your life group to be engaged and to be, uh, to be involved. This is our chance to help, to join with our community partners, uh, even join with uh, our governor as he made a plea for us to be involved in helping these children on a, local, uh, on a local level, to partner with other churches, other groups, to see to it that the most vulnerable in our culture are cared for in these days. If you would like to receive notifications whenever that page is updated, you'll notice again in the app notes and on Facebook Live, you can send us an email to missions at lifepointohio.com. We will add you to a list and we will push an email to you every time that page is updated with new opportunities. If you would like to do something right now, third thing, Stowe Mission of Central Ohio is receiving food. Matter of fact, this past week, our church took three tons of food to Stowe Mission in downtown Columbus. They serve one of the most distressed neighborhoods and areas uh, of our city. Uh, from our C3 weekend, we took that food down this week, but we also know that because of these needs, Stowe is gonna blow through all those food resources very quickly. They are receiving food donations right now. So if you'd like to do something right now, you can go out, you can purchase food, take it down to Snow, to Stowe during their regular uh, business hours. Look them up online, find their regular business hours, take food down there and drop them off um, as one 
as one of our partners. So those are three ways um, that you can practically be involved and stay connected to what's coming up in the future. This is a very fluid uh, situation. We've said that we're gonna take it week by week. You'll also see a link in the app notes uh, and on Facebook Live to the page where we'll be updating things that are happening uh, this week and what the rest of this week and next weekend is gonna look like uh, in the life of our church. So again, primarily look at those folks who are right around you. Ask God to surface those needs. Be aware of the updates as they're coming. If you wanna do something right now, think about the Stowe Mission of Central Ohio and, uh, and what's going on there. Once again, thanks for uh, tuning in, being part of our live stream this morning. I'll give you a special, uh, one special uh, prayer request as I'm thinking about all the needs, but I'm thinking about these three guys who are up here uh, on stage uh, with me. Now, all three of them are extroverted um, verbal processors. So I would just ask uh, this week that maybe you pray for their wives because their wives are gonna have to spend some extra time with them. Um, their wives, may, they may need a break uh, this week. Listen, take this opportunity in an unprecedented, unparalleled way to reflect the glory and the goodness of God to the world. Once again, thanks for being with us. We'll be in contact with you this week. God bless.